the show of hands, how many of you have ever played the game of golf? Wow, that's really impressive. You know, if you've never played the game of golf, uh, the object of the game, basically, uh, if, if you don't know, is to hit one of these little balls here. I've got two colors up here, a, a yellow one and a white one, uh, down uh, really into this little hole, right, that is located yards, hundreds of yards away from you uh, with one of these sticks here. Now, these, I brought up my sticks today. I'll just grab one here. I'm not going to do an illustration, but typically the game of golf is to hit one of these little balls with the, one of these sticks, and you'll notice that in my bag I've got various sticks, and most of you are familiar with the game. Very Different sticks have different sizes, and different sizes might have different angles, and they're used for different purposes. So like, for example, if I wanted to hit the ball there to chuck back there, I might use, I might use this one. Or uh, if I wanted to hit Joe, I might use... Should I try it, Joe? Because you guys have seen me play the game. Now, if you've ever played the game, you know that it can be incredibly fun, yes? And it can be incredibly what? Frustrating. There's a reason why they call it golf, right? Because why? All the other four-letter words are used up, which is what you use when you, when you play the game of golf. Now, here's what I've learned from playing the game of golf, and maybe you have too. In fact, this is the big idea that we're going to look at today conversation. I invite you to look for it in, your, in the Bible text, and that's this. Where I look determines my direction. That's a conversation that we're going to have today. Where I look in the game of golf, where I look in the game of life, determines my direction. One of the things that I've learned about the game of golf over the years as I've really gotten better is my mental outlook. So when I say look, I'm also thinking your attitude. My attitude determines my behavior, right? Where I look determines my direction. You know, I, one of the things I've, I've learned, and I'm doing this better, and Chuck, you know, Chuck, Chuck has taught the game of golf. I've learned that long before I ever hit the ball, it's important for me to visualize where I look, visualize the shot that I want to I want to take. In the game of golf, there's this acronym called SFT. Do you know what that stands for? See it, feel it, trust it. Okay, so before I get up to hit the ball, I'm going to see the shot in my mind that I want to make. I'm going to feel the shot in my hand before I hit it. And then I'm going to trust it. So I see it. I feel it. When I get up to the ball to address it, right? I, tr I trust the shot. See it, feel it, trust it. Where I what I think about, in fact, you can write this down somewhere in the margin of your notes. What I think about, I become. What I think about, I become. So let's think about this, for example. If you, have you ever woken up in the morning, early in the morning, and you think, oh, man, it's raining outside. It's going to be a lousy day. And inevitably, if you wake up in the morning and you have that mental outlook, what I think about you are going to have what kind of a day? A lousy day. But if you wake up in the morning and you think to yourself, today is going to be a great day. You could have a car accident. You could be told that you're going to have cancer. You could, you know, or maybe worse than that, you got to get a cavity at a dentist, which is worse, cancer or cavity at a dentist. 
You know, you could have the worst things happen to you into your day, but if you've already created in your mind the mental outlook that you're going to have a great day and that God's going to guide you, chances are strong that you're going to have what kind of a day? A, a good day, a great day, right? What I, where I look determines my What I think about, I become. So today, as we unpack this a Bible story, it's gonna, I want you to look for how it reinforces this truth that my attitude influences my behavior, that where I look determines my direction. And so if you have a Bible with you today, turn to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 21. Now, Numbers is in the beginning of your Bible, Matthew or Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's the fourth book. And find chapter 21. It's on page 249 in my Bible today. Numbers chapter 19. Follow along as I read. Picture the scene in your mind. This is what it says. The Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that the Israelites were approaching on the road through Atherim. So he attacked the Israelites and took some of them as prisoners. Then the people of Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will hand these people over to us, we will completely destroy all their towns. The Lord heard the Israelites' request and gave them victory over the Canaanites. The Israelites completely destroyed them and their towns, and the place has been called Hormah ever since. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Maybe your translations say they began to grumble against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. What was the manna? Remember the manna? It was the bread from heaven that God was giving to these people to eat. Now notice this. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. The Lord sent poisonous snakes. Did you know that story? Since poisonous snakes in the camp, it says that many people were bitten and died. Then the people cry, came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Now write this down, point number one, in your app notes. Inward short-sightedness leads to self-inflicted carnage. Inward short-sightedness leads to self-inflicted carnage. Do y'all remember the context from which these Bible verses come from? For 430 years, the Bible tells us that the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt. Remember that? And then God sent a man by the name of Moses to, to go into Egypt to confront Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and demand that he release God's people, right? You guys are familiar with that story. At first, as most of you know, Pharaoh refused, right? 
But then after God sent a number of plagues into Egypt, Pharaoh had a change of mind. Pharaoh changed his heart, so to speak, and he set the Israelites free. Well, as the Israelites now are traveling toward their new home to a land that was called the promised land or the land of God's promise that he had made to the people, we read here in this Bible story how these Israelites, they, they have the beginning of what looks like a bad day. They, 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 inst- they, they encounter this opposition against the Canaanites and how at first we're told that they, they suffered defeat. But then after turning to God for help and asking for his kind of resolution of this problem, we read how God delivers these Israelites, gives them victory over the Canaanites, and basically showing us how God gives them victory over their their enemies. Now one would think that after experiencing victory over Pharaoh, number one, and then victory over the Canaanites here, number two, that the Israelites would be feeling pretty good, right? That they would be feeling pretty excited about the job that Moses was doing as their leader. But apparently that wasn't the case. Because what we read here is that the Israelites, they become impatient with God. You ever get impatient with God? In fact, they were so frustrated that God wasn't leading them quicker into the promised land or the land of the promise that they began to do what? They began to grumble, right? They began to complain about the food that, that God was giving them, an apparent lack of beverage choices uh, that they had to choose from. And as a result of this inward, short-sighted focus, selfish perspective, what we read here is how they get sidetracked, right? Where I look determines my direction. The Bible writer describes how God has heard enough, right? He's heard enough of the Israelites whining against himself and against his chosen leader, Moses. And so we're told that to punish the people for their negative bickering, God sends snakes. How many many people love snakes? Brett, you do because you're from Texas. But snakes, he sends poisonous snakes into their camp. Now, does that surprise anybody that God would respond like that? It sort of does me. I mean, this is like, that's a nasty, nasty response. But we read here that he sends poisonous snakes in the land. Those who are bitten die, which is a harsh way to die, wouldn't you agree? Which to me reinforces this truth that where I look determines my direction. Right? An inward self, short-sighted, Perspective leads to self-inflicted carnage. So brothers and sisters, here's our chance to evaluate ourselves. Evaluate yourself today. Are you someone who is prone to complain? Are you someone who is wired to see what is wrong in things instead of focusing on what is good? Do you ever get impatient with people? Do you ever criticize People, have you ever considered that your grumbling could be an insult to God? Be careful. Because what I see the Bible warning us here in this Bible story is that inward short-sightedness leads to self-inflicted carnage. So where are you at these days? 
Okay, evaluate yourself. Are your eyes on yourself? Or are your eyes on God? Where I look determines my direction. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, refocus. Refocus. Okay, tonight, time for us to refocus. So here's the good news of this Bible story. Point number two in your notes. And that is upward God-focusing leads to supernatural deliverance. Upward God-focusing leads to supernatural deliverance. When I take my eyes off of myself and I put my eyes on God, it leads to supernatural deliverance. We're told here in Numbers chapter 21 that after the complainers start being bitten by this poisonous snake, they realize, suddenly realize that their grumbling isn't such a good idea, is it? They realize that they've, they've made a mistake, and so to their credit, props to the Israelites, they, they humble themselves, they, they go to, they really they take ownership for their, their grumbling. A lot of us don't take ownership for our grumbling, we just like to blame other people. But they take ownership for it, and they go to Moses and say, Look, Moses, we blew it, we made a mistake, please forgive us, will you go to God and ask him to get rid of these snakes? It's a bad deal. And so the Bible writer outlines in verse 8, if you have your Bible still open, how God instructs Moses to make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to the top of a pole, right? Now here's the cool, cool thing about this. And those who are bitten, and they have a choice here, is to, they're to do what? They're to look at the snake. They're to take their eyes off of themselves, and they put their eyes on what God has chosen to give them as a deliverance element. Really put their eyes on God and live. Are you with me? If they look up, if they simply look, to God, look at God's poison remedy, this bronze snake, they will be healed. They will recover. But the choice is theirs, isn't it? You could still be bitten and go, you know what? I'm so mad at God. And just, I'm going to die in my stubbornness. And I'm sure that there were some who did that. You know, we've, all, we've probably all heard stories of people who have maybe really not been followers of God. Maybe they're, I, I can think of parents who, you know, their kids have, have come to know Jesus. And, and, and on their deathbed, they go, Mom, Dad, you got to know Jesus. And they're like, you know what? I served, I've not followed him my whole life. I'm not going to do the prayer at the very end. And God's just saying, listen, it's okay, just look up. Just stop looking inside, which leads to inward carnage, and just lift your eyes up because it leads to supernatural deliverance. And so, friends, that's a message for all of us today. Whether we're here on, on campus or tuning online, it, God is always saying, come to me. I don't care what you've done. I don't know where you've been. I don't know mistakes you've made, but come to me. Lift up my eyes. I'm here for you. The choice is yours, though. Friends, there's always a consequence for our sin, and I think these poisonous snakes are a reminder of this truth. Again, that where I look determines my direction. You know what the best part of the snake story is? Do y'all remember, or are y'all familiar with the Bible verse, uh, John 3.16? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish would have everlasting life. Have you heard that verse before? Do you, 
Do you know what the context of where John 3.16 originated? You know, if you were to read, take the time to read the story of Jesus, you will read how when he first began his earthly ministry, Jesus had his, a conversation with a man by the name of Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a Jewish religious leader. Nic Nicodemus was one of really the few Jewish leaders who actually believed that Jesus might be who he claimed to be, that Jesus might be the promised Messiah, that Jesus could be the Son of God who Jesus claimed to be, and he, but he wasn't completely sure. And if you read John chapter 3, which we're going to do here in just a moment, you will read how Nicodemus, even though he's kind of on the bubble about who is this Jesus guy, he, has, he initiates this conversation with Jesus. He's not completely sold out to Jesus, but in the secrecy of night, the Bible tells us and describes for us how he goes to have this conversation with Jesus. And in this encounter, in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, this private conversation, Jesus references this snake story here in Numbers chapter 13. So go to John chapter 3. Let's read the story. Look for the snake story, which sets up what he says, the most famous verse in the Bible, I think, John 3.16. So go to John chapter 3. Let's read a few verses, starting at verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. <clears throat> Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Go down to verse 9. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. Now go to verse 13. He says, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Now check this out. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What's Jesus telling him? Jesus basically is alluding to the way he's going to die, isn't he? He says, just as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And then he tells us, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then the best part of this whole text is verse 17 where he says, the son of man did not, God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. And in the same way that Moses set up this bronze snake for people who were bitten by this, the sin in their life. If they could look up in deliverance, he said, in the same way I have come to deliver the people. Now, Jesus was giving Nicodemus a foreshadowing of how he was going to die, wasn't he? And his purpose for coming. Jesus was basically saying, Nicodemus, I'm going to be crucified on the cross. I'm going to be lifted up for all to see, just like this bronze snake. Are you with me? And everyone who looks to me will be saved. For God so loved the world that whoever, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. To save you. 
to save me. Jesus was telling Nicodemus that in the same way that a snake-bitten, grumbling Israelite could receive forgiveness and healing by humbling themselves and lifting up their eyes and looking to the bronze snake for help, so too when you and I humble ourselves, lift up our eyes, and look to Jesus who hung on the cross and shed his blood for the sins of humanity, for you and for me, we too can receive forgiveness and healing. Somebody say amen to that. So letter A, God forgives, and letter B, God empowers. Jesus forgives, and Jesus empowers. Friends, if you've been bitten by the snake, don't stay there wallowing in your self-pity, your inward self-inflicted carnage. Lift your eyes up, because where you look is going to determine your direction. An inward, short-sighted perspective leads to self-inflicted carnage, but an upward, God-focused mindset leads to supernatural deliverance. So here's my closing point. I challenge you as you move through this next week, with God's help, to practice SFT, right? See His face. Feel his presence. Trust his love. As you go through your week and as you bump into various things, just wake up in the morning saying, God, I'm gonna, I'm looking forward, I'm gonna see your, I'm gonna see your face. I'm gonna trust that you're with me. Right? That your presence is there. Feel his presence, trust his love. We're at the beginning of a brand new year, yes? And refocus, refocus. Where is God maybe inviting you in your life to refocus? Where in your life right now could you use a new perspective? Where I look determines my direction. What I think about, my attitude, determines my behavior. You want to be a better husband or a better wife to your spouse? Wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to be the greatest spouse history has ever made. You want to be a great lover to the people in your world who are mean to you? Go, I'm going to be the greatest lover and forgiver in the history of the world to mean people. Right? Where I look determines my direction. But when people are mean to me and I get, all this, get on the self-pity party, go, man, I shouldn't be treated like this. Don't they know who I am? That just leads to self-carnage, self-inflicted carnage. But when you wake up and when you, you look and just believe that God is with you, friends, that's where we make a difference. You know, if you are coming into this new year carrying a backpack of guilt from your past, and we all have skeletons, we've all made mistakes, if you're coming into this new year with that carrying that backpack, I just urge you to lay it at the cross, lift up your eyes, and invite God to give you a new outlook. Yes? Because where we look determines our direction. You know, the devil wants you and me to look inward. Have you experienced that in your life? The devil loves it when we focus on our past pains and our past mistakes and our past failures. The devil loves it when you and I throw our own personal pity party. He loves it when we complain and we grumble. 
Church, refocus. To thrive in a fractured world, we must continually refocus. So let's do that in prayer right now, okay? So if you have anything in your hands, I encourage you to set it aside, put it on the chair beside you. Take a deep breath, a couple of deep breaths and exhale. You know, when I was in college, I was took karate for many years. And um, one of the things that you practice in breathing is your breathing. And, and, and it feels a weird, little weird, but I think there's... Don't get don't overly spiritualize it, but you would breathe in the good and you would breathe out the bad. So just take a couple big breaths. Say, God, I'm breathing in your presence. And I'm breathing out my negativity. Right? God, I'm breathing in your love. And I'm breathing out what the devil lies to me, the devil's lies. Now, in your mind, I want you to picture Jesus on the cross. Just close your eyes for a second. And in your mind, picture Jesus on the cross with his arms spread. See his face. Feel his presence. Trust his love. SFT. See his face. Feel his presence. Trust his love. Now, with an upward God focus in your own words right now, ask Jesus to work in your life. Just say, Jesus, I want this year to be a fruitful year. Pray that. Jesus, I want my relationships to be healthy. Jesus, I want my impact, my activity to have impact. Jesus, I want my dreams to gain traction. I want my dreams to come to fruition. And so Jesus, today, as I, as I sit here in this place, I'm putting, intentionally choosing to place my eyes on you. And when I hit some turbulence this week, God, please help me to trust you and not to grumble. I want to see your face. I want to feel your presence. I want to trust your love. It's in your name I pray these things. Confidence. Everybody said. 